0: Now um, uh, what I to say is that, that I really believe that God sent me here this morning. I really believe that it's no accident that I've come here to this church, to Hayward Union City, the Bay Area. It's no accident that I'm here. and God gave me a word for somebody here this morning. Now, I don't know if you're a part of the church, not a part of the church, first time, second time, last time. I don't know. All I know is this is what God told me to tell you. And I, I don't know if you're a man or woman, young or old, black or white. I don't know. All I know is God told me to tell you this, that he's ready, that he's willing, and that he's able to give you another chance. Now, I say that because not everybody is ready, willing, and able to give you another chance. Sometimes your spouse will not give you another chance. Sometimes your family won't give you another chance. Sometimes the judge, where's the men's home at, won't give you another chance. You know, oftentimes your supervisor, your your foreman at work won't give you another chance when you're late again. Hello, somebody. But God, oh, I thought you were listening this morning. I said, but God is ready. Willing and able to give you another chance. Now, I've been serving the Lord now for well over 42 years. That's what I said. I'm amazed I made it this far. I say it every morning. I wake up, wow. And uh, I've learned a lot as a Christian, as I'm sure many of you who have been serving the Lord for a while have also learned a lot. But one thing I've learned, well, two things I've learned in Victory Outreach One, never say never. Never say never. I'll never be an usher. I'll never preach the gospel. I'll never work with the kids. I'll never, right, because you never know what God's going to do. Two, the second thing I've learned, right, is that God is not, not the God of the second chance. Because some of you are on your third chance. Some of us are on our fifth chance. What I have learned is my topic today, that God is the God of another chance. And I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the God of another chance. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your precious holy word. And I pray your anointing upon this service and everyone here. I thank you for what you're about to do this morning. I pray that every heart is open, ready to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Now, see, right there, that would stop me dead in my tracks. Because I get nervous when they say, hey, the pastor was asking for you. He was? What did he say? What would you tell him? Was he mad? (laughs) That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Here's Peter. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Do you have a homeboy like that? Man, I got your back, man. I'm with you till the hubcaps fall off. Oh, shut up. All those guys are gone. The minute the red lights go on. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day. Before you'll deny me three times that you know me. How many of you are kind of familiar with the LA area a little bit? I know some of you were born down there or raised up down there, but there's a city there. We have a Victor church. In fact, we have two churches there, Spanish and English. Whittier, California, right? The city of Whittier is actually named after a poet. I didn't know that. I know it now. Sir John Greenleaf Whittier. I don't know nothing about poetry. I don't even, you know, I know Pastor Steve used to like to write poetry, but I'm not much into that stuff. But Sir John Greenleaf Whittier was a well-known poet. And one of his poems, the one he's most famous for, goes like this. For all the words of tongue and pen that satisfy what might have been. Let me say it again. For "For all the words of tongue and pen, and pen, the saddest are what might have been. And what the poet is talking about there, he's referring to regret, something that all of us can identify with, right? All of us have experienced regret on some level or another, regret over a a missed opportunity. You didn't get a chance to see the fight last night. Trust me, you didn't miss anything. (laughs) A wrong decision, huh? You turn left and the cop pulled you over. But if you turn right, you would have got no ticket. Saying the wrong thing. You ever said something that you didn't mean to say? Come on, somebody. Preachers, we do that all the time. Huh? You ever say, oh, why did I say that? I'll give you an example what I'm talking about. Uh, again, I won't tell you who, but it's one of our pastors. His wife was pregnant. I went there to preach in their church. And she was like, you know, you're ready to pop. Eight, nine months. And... I left. I finished the service. I left. Four or five months go by. I see her again. I go, sister, my God, sister, when are you going to have that baby? She said, Brother Philip, I had the baby th- four months ago. Rule number one, when you fall in a hole, Rule number one, stop digging. Throw down the shovel and beg for mercy. All of us have regrets over some serious mistakes that we've made. How many of you have ever made at least one mistake in your life? See, some of you didn't raise your hand. You just made one. Let's try it again. How many of you have ever made at least one mistake in your life? Some of you still. Raise your hand. You made a second mistake. We'll talk about that in a moment. Of all the apostles who knew what it was to experience deep, painful regret, I believe it was the apostle Peter. Huh? Here, Peter boasts. He says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison for you. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus said, Peter, I know you better than that. Before this night's over, you'll be denying me. Not just once. We've all made mistakes. huh? He says, you're going to make three of them. Let's pick it up in verse 54. Same chapter, verse 54. Having arrested him, meaning Jesus, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, Peter sat down together. Peter sat amongst them. The Bible says a godly man does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Huh? But that's where Peter was sitting. Right? And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, hey, this this man was also with him. But he said, woman, I do not know him. After a while, another saw him and said, hey, aren't you from Patriot outreach? Peter said, no, not me. Then after another hour, another covenant passed by, and said, "Surely this fellow also is with him, for he is a Galilean." And Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you are saying." And immediately, while he was speaking, <coughs> while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned to look at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, "Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times." Everybody, look at verse sixty-two. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, these are not tears of joy over the birth of a child or the graduation of your daughter or the wedding of your son. These are not tears of happiness. These are tears of pain. These are tears of regret. Why? Why did Peter weep so bitterly? Ask me why. Come on, ask me why. Because he denied the Lord. Right? Right? Wrong. He denied the Lord three times. We all make mistakes. Yes. But when you learn from your mistake, as your grandma tried to tell you, right, it's no longer a mistake. It's an experience. It's a life learning experience. But when you keep making the same mistake over and over, these are called repeated failures. And that's what many Christians struggle with. You know you're not supposed to do it. You know it's wrong. You don't know why you do it. You don't understand why you do it, but you keep doing it. And so Peter takes off. Oh, but somebody say, thank God. Thank God that God is the God of another chance. And Jesus practiced what he preached. In Luke 15, 4, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Thank God that we serve the God of another chance. Uh, my wife and I were flying into Philadelphia some years ago. And we were getting ready to touch down. There, the plane was getting ready just to touch down. And all of a sudden, the engine roared back and we swooped back up. We climbed up. We we took off. Everybody in the plane went, woo! right? The captain said, nothing to be alarmed about. There was some... Wind shears, we're going to try it again. The wind shifted, we're going to circle up and try it again. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but it's something that happens. But when those space shuttles come down, now the last one just landed a couple years ago, and it's now there in the museum in Los Angeles. But when they come down, when they land those big things, they only get one shot at it. If they come down at a wrong angle, they bounce off the Earth's atmosphere. And can drift off into space. If they come down too quick, they burn up, they break up. I think that's what happened to the Columbia, if I'm not mistaken, over Texas. Huh? When they get when they land those things, they only get one chance. Thank God that God's not like that. That God, you know, gives us another chance. And He's ready, He's willing, and He's able to give you another chance this morning. Why? Why is God so interested? Because, you know, some people don't give you another chance. And it's not like we really deserve one. Hello? Because some of us are really mess ups, man. Right? So why is God so interested and in, in willing to give you another chance? Four reasons. One. Number one, because he's praying for you. Let's go back to our opening scripture. Jesus tells the apostles. He says, Peter, Satan has asked for you. Huh? that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Three times, Jesus uses a personal pronoun, Y-O-U. Remember your English grammar? All right. In your English grammar class, you remember, with personal pronouns, right, there was singular and plural. Remember? Jesus here, in the first time, he says, Satan has asked for you. That's in the singular. He said, Peter, specifically Satan is asking for you. We said that yesterday, how sometimes the enemy targets us. He says, but I, right, that he may sift you, that second you, that he may sift you. That's in the plural. That meant he wanted to sift all the apostles. How many know the devil wants to take all of us down? He says, but I have prayed for you. That's back in the singular. He said, Peter, specifically, I am praying for you now. Why did the Lord focus solely upon Peter? Again, ask me why. Come on, ask me why. Because Peter was weak. Don't get proud. How I many know we all have a weakness? Tell the person next to you, you know you have a weakness. But unless you're married to the person sitting next to you, their weakness is none of your business. But we all have a weakness. Peter's weakness, watch this. Peter's weakness was he was easily tripped up by his own Spiritual perception. All right, let me explain. One day Jesus got up and he said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to leave father, mother, brother, sister, tío, tía, torta, you got to leave everything. You want to follow me. Peter gets up and says, Lord, hello. Time out. We've left everything to follow you. I left my my boat and my nets and my fish. Jesus said, ah, oh, Peter, no man has left everything to follow me. Come on, somebody. See, very often we look at ourselves, right, and we don't see ourselves with a proper perception. We think of ourselves as being so committed and so sold out, but that may not be how God sees us. Are you sure this is on? Can you hear me back there? Things are not always as they appear, Right? For example, what time does the sun come up over here? Daryl, six? Uh, About what time does the sun come down over here? Caffeine, what time? 8.30. I call him caffeine because he's had way too much. (laughs) Even one cup is just way too much. Is that your wife? Put him on a no-caffeine diet and no sugar. (laughs) What's your first name, dear? Bija? Felicia, I'm going to put you in my prayer list and move you up to the top ten. Well, Daryl and caffeine, you're both wrong. The sun does not rise at 6 a.m. or set at 8.30. Nah. See, that's how it looks. But in reality, the sun never moves. I know it kills all of our romance. And the sun will run. Shut up. No, it doesn't. The sun does not rise. That's just how it looks. It's Earth's rotation around the sun that caused it to look like it's coming up and look like it's going down. And here's what I find. Peter, as a result of his incons- as a result of his weakness, it made him inconsistent and unstable. That's why one minute he's walking on water and the next minute he's drowning. One minute he's saying, "Thou oh, art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." and the next minute he's getting rebuked by Jesus. There was another reason why Jesus was praying for Peter. In the spirit world, there was a vicious battle going on for his soul. And here's what I find ironic. Jesus says, guess what, Peter? Even though I'm praying for you, you're still going to (laughs) fail. You're still going to fail. That tells me that Jesus, who right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I, he is not. You hear me? I'm right over here, guys. He is not. Praying for you and us to fail or not fail. Because we're going to fail. Irregardless, we're still going to fail. Ask me why. Why? Because of this stuff right here. The flesh. As long as we're living in this body, you and I are going to fall short of the glory of God. You and I are going to struggle with temptation and weaknesses. Come on, somebody. That old nature. And here's what I find. Jesus said, Peter, you're still going to fail me. But I'm praying for you that your faith doesn't fail. And notice what he says. Watch this. Watch. And when, when you are restored, he doesn't say if. In matters of faith. It's never a question of if, it's just a matter of when. It's not if I get my miracle, if we get a new building, if the money comes in, if we get more souls, if I get blessed, if my husband gets saved, if my kids get saved. No, it's just to say when. I may not get my miracle today, but it's on its way. It's going to happen. God is going to move on my behalf. It's just a matter of when. Somebody say amen. amen. The second reason why God is ready, willing, and able to give you another chance is he understands you. He understands you. Huh? Now, for those of you, and you, you're like you a lifetime member. You should really take joy in this. This is for some of you that are members of that club. Yes, you are. You're members of that strange, you too, strange, weird, unique club. You're different. You don't do things like normal people. You're not like everybody else. You're just a little bit out there. You're hard to figure out. You're hard to understand. You You should be really encouraged with this, that God understands you. Because you know who you are, man. You're like you're you know you're you're strange. You're weird. You're unique. See, brother Philip, how do you know this? Because I'm a member. My wife tells me you're a weird dude. Says I don't understand you sometimes. I go, that's okay. He does. <laughs> Hallelujah. He understands me. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he was apprised of the entire situation. Huh, Peter, I know what's going on before the sun rises. You're going to deny me three times, but then you're going to come back. In other words, grace was announced before Peter's failure. My point is very simple. The point is when we fail God, we don't catch God by surprise. Hello, somebody. Now, you might catch your spouse by surprise. You might catch the pastor by surprise. You might catch the leaders by surprise. We're just human beings. Uh-huh. But Lewis Sperry Chafer, the founder of the Dallas Theological Seminary, said, a secret sin on earth is an open scandal in heaven. Because it's like when somebody falls and somebody messes up, uh, you know, good news travels on a donkey, a three-legged blind donkey. Bad news travels on a warp speed jet, Right? I mean, and and, and oftentimes we hear about somebody in the church that kind of goofed up, messed up, and we're in shock. We're like, what? No. She was doing so good. Are you kidding me? Huh? And it's like women, women, ladies, yes, you're like ducks. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Put your eyebrow down. Don't give me that look. All you women are like ducks. Because when bad news comes, hey, guess what? Why? 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 What's why? 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 (laughs) That's good. Ladies, let's be fair now. After you tear me off your prayer list, put me back on, us men are just as bad. Only we're not like ducks, we're more like owls. Hey, guess who fell? Who? 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 I saw that guy go commercial. That's my material! They stole it from me! No, because I saw, I did that before that. Come on, somebody. I remember the first time I got arrested. I was 15 years old, and I had two older brothers who were heroin addicts. And I started using drugs when I was 15, got saved when I was 20. And, but my my, my, my mom and dad, they knew about my oldest brother. He'd gone to prison, all that stuff. My older brother, but they didn't know I was doing drugs. And I got arrested on Christmas Eve, 1967. I I always remember, for possession of drugs, right? So I'm in the juvenile jail. Now, those of us that have been in the juvenile tank or the juvenile jail, mommy can get you out sometimes. Especially when it's your first offense. After you turn 18, it takes a thing called bail. So I'm there on the day after Christmas hoping that my mother comes. First time I got arrested. Hoping that mom comes. Because you know, with mom, most moms are merciful. Most mothers. (laughs) Not all mothers, but most mothers. Because with mom, mom, I didn't. Mom, the police sent me up wasn't my drug. I was holding it. for. And mom will believe you sometimes. I know, mijo, those police, I know. Let me get you out of it, right? See, your old man, you can't fool him like that. Your dad says, shut up. You know you're guilty. Be quiet. It's like, mom, mom will warn you when punishment's coming. Ooh, you're going to get it when we get home. When we get home, pego, we're gonna. All right? Mom. We'll ask you if you want to get spanked. Do you want mama to spank you? Do you want mama to take you in the back and beat you like a circus monkey? Because I'll do it right now. I'll hit you so hard you won't see your next birthday. Mom will explain to you why she's spanking you. Mama doesn't want to spank you. Mama loves you, but mama wants you to learn and grow up and be good. See, Dad, we don't operate like that. First of all, we don't ask. We love the surprise attack. Now sit down. What did you hit me for? Shut up. I didn't do nothing. We don't care. We don't care if you're innocent, guilty, no contest. We don't care. We are the judge, the jury, and the executioner. My dad used to take his knuckle... Oh man, oh man! Remember that your dad or your grandpa used to take his knuckle and pop you out right in the head. The Mexicans call it a what? Oscarron. What do they call it? Any Puerto Ricans here? All right, los puertorriqueños se llama un cocotazo. que sí? cocotazo. Black people call it going upside your head. Boy, don't make me go upside your head. White people call it abuse. (laughs) They get a lawyer and take their parents to court. Amen. Bradley, you get the boat. So I'm hoping that my mother comes. My dad came. Oh, shoot. Everybody say, oh, shoot. No, I'm okay, I'm okay, okay. Go sit down, brother. Go sit down, I'm fine. That's fine. You go ahead and drink that water. All that walking you're doing? I'm okay, yeah. I got water up here, look. I got enough water here to baptize somebody. (laughs) Hallelujah. My dad came. He was, I, oh, God, I remember I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 62 years old in a few weeks. This happened like 40-some years ago. I can still see his face. My dad's gone. I can still see his face. He was so disappointed in me. His third son is now in trouble with the police. I didn't even bother to say I was guilty, innocent, make an excuse. I didn't say nothing because I know it ain't going to land. I could just see how ashamed how how hurt he was and I knew how ashamed I was And sometimes when you fall a lot and you struggle in a particular area in your life, you're too embarrassed to come to the altar. You're too ashamed to come to the altar because you feel God cannot handle the disappointment. You've blown it over and over and over. And you say, why should I go to the altar? I mean, God can't even handle this disappointment. I've got good news for you this morning. God can handle the disappointment. Though a righteous man may fall seven times, yet he shall rise again. In Psalms 136, uh, 26 times this verse is repeated. For the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Now, that's not a license to sin. But it just goes to show us how many know this morning we serve a merciful God. We serve a loving and gracious God. Number three. The third reason why Jesus is ready, willing, and able to give you another chance, because he had compassion on Peter. He cares about you this morning. Maybe your family stopped caring about you because you burned them so much. Maybe your friends don't want you around so much because you've hurt them so much. Maybe your spouse doesn't want to see you in again. huh? But God still loves you this morning. Jesus cared for Peter before, during, and even after he fell. How do I know this? On that resurrection morning, three women, Mary, Mary, and Joanna, ran to the tomb, remember? Huh? And went to the tomb, and they got there. According to Mark 16 7, the angel of the Lord sat there, and the tomb was open. And he said, Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? No, he's not here. He's alive. Go. Go tell his disciples, Mark 16, 7, and make sure you tell Peter. Peter got a personal invitation. No, I didn't hear not one personal invitation this morning. For the school of ministry, for the women's ministries, for tonight's service and sacrament. I didn't hear one personal invitation. Ask me why. Because you're all invited. You're all welcome to go. Whenever the women gather for a meeting or discipleship, you're all, well, even if you've only been in the church one hour, you're welcome to go. You say, well, I've only been in the church a half hour. You're welcome to go to Sacramento with us this evening. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Some people say, well, I'll go if I get personally invited. Oh, be quiet. That's pride talking. Jesus said, whosoever will come, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever calleth believeth in me. Come on, somebody, say amen. Why did Peter get a personal invitation? Probably because had the invitation been general, like the ones we heard this morning, he would have felt unworthy. That doesn't include me. Huh? But I got news for you guys. None of us are worthy. At our World Conference when we were in Long Beach some years ago, uh, after the service, I was going over to what they have, a big hospitality room for all the pastors. And they had cookies and coffee in there and stuff. And... So I'm walking over there, and I saw another one of our former pastors. He had, wasn't pastoring anymore. For disciplinary reasons, he got sat down. He said, hey, Brother Philip." I said, hey, how you doing, man? He said, where are you going? I go, I'm going over here to the hospitality room for the pastors. I said, come on, let's go. He goes, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. I said, listen to me, you may have lost your church, and you may have lost your pulpit, and you may have lost your stripes, but you haven't lost the calling. You haven't lost the, the calling of God upon your life. I said, anyway, hey, well, you're with me. Come on, somebody. I said, I know you don't feel worthy, but neither am I. Nobody. What did the prodigal son say when he was over there feeding those pigs? Did he say, you know what? I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, you know what? You have to take me back. You better take me back. I deserve better than this. Is that what he said? No. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. When he went home, the father was waiting for him. He even ran up to him. That's called compassion. I know you guys see backsliders when you're here in Hayward or Dakota or Union City or Fremont or Oakland. I know when you're at work or at school or at the mall or at the show or at the park. huh? I know you see people who used to go to the church or maybe another Victor church and you see them and they feel funny. But don't make them feel funny. When you see somebody who used to go to the church say, Praise the Lord when somebody walks through those doors or the doors of your new building that hasn't been here for a while and they walk in you know, don't come off with that attitude well 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 look who's back Mr. Sinnerman himself well I told you you'd be back get tired of the world huh you get good and tired is that how we should act no the Bible said you don't want to throw your arms wide open say praise the Lord welcome back we've been praying for you we've you, we love you. Come on, somebody say amen. And the fourth reason why God is ready, willing, and able to give you another chance is that Jesus restores completely and fully. Huh? Now, there are seven over 7 billion. Everybody say 7 billion people on this planet. That's a lot of people. And if you don't want to serve him, Why doesn't God say, "Okay, you don't want something, forget it. I'll find somebody else"? Why does He keep going after you? Why is He? Why? Well, I've given you three reasons, but I'm going to give you a fourth, and I'm going to tell you in the form of a story—a true story. 1929. All of us weren't born then, thank God. The Rose Bowl is being played down in Pasadena against the California Bears, who got whooped yesterday. Ohio State beat them, I think. Anyway. California Bears are playing the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, if memory serves. Georgia Tech had the ball and were driving for a touchdown and fumbled. A defensive back by the name of Roy Riggles picked up the fumble, but in his enthusiasm and his excitement, he started running. Hence the nickname, Wrong Way Roy. It's considered one of the most embarrassing moments in all sports. His own player tackled him on the two-yard line. I saw it actually on film. They have it on broken film. ESPN showed it. That happened in the first half. Halftime, the players went off the field. Roy went into the locker room, took off his helmet, and put a towel over his head. And the coach came in and said, all right, everybody that played in the first half will play in the second half. You too, Roy. And Roy said, why, coach? Why do you still want me to play? I embarrass you. I embarrass the team. I embarrass the school. I ran the wrong way. Coach said, I know. (laughs) Everybody saw it. (laughs) Don't rationalize your failure. Don't make excuses for them. You blew it, you blew it. We all blow it. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame the pastor. Don't blame the church. Don't blame the government. Don't blame the police. Don't blame the black man, the white man, the brown man, the yellow man. Don't blame anybody. Take responsibility. Oh. He said, I know. I, I know you messed up. Then why, coach? Why do you still want me to play? He said, Roy, oh, because the game is not over. And God is ready, willing, and able to give you another chance tonight because the game It's not over. It's not over for you. It might be the fourth quarter. You might be down in the two-minute warning. It might be the ninth inning. Come on, somebody. But the game is not over. God is ready. As the worship team makes their way, he's willing and able to give you a chance this morning. Again, I know this message was not for everybody. But there's somebody here. You needed to hear this this morning. And where everybody else has given up on you, God has it. God spoke to me a long time ago. He said, Philip, don't give up on people. I never gave up on you. Don't give up on them. That's not what this ministry is all about. Hallelujah. I want you to stand this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Because you deserve the glory. And the honor. And the honor. Come on, Lord, we lift. Lord, we lift our hands to worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Come on, close your eyes, Lord, lift your hands, lift hands to the Lord as we bless your holy name.